Hey guys, Champagne Room Hoops Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. All things Illini Hoops on the way. Stay tuned. I'm proud to tell you all that Champagne Room Hoops has partnered with Underdog Fantasy. On top of that, I've got even better news. They will match your first deposit up to $100. The only way for you to get on this special is by downloading their app and using our code CRH24. Again, that's CRH24. Even if you've already registered but haven't deposited, you can still use the promo. When you do, Underdog will match your first deposit up to $100. What are you waiting for? Get started today and come play along with us all season long at Underdog Sports. Again, promo code CRH24. What's up, everybody? We are back for another edition of Champagne Room Hoops Podcast. As part of the Beyond the Big Ten Podcast Network, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere to get your podcasts, and also on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten. Also, make sure to follow along on all social media, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle Beyond Big Ten. I am former Illini point guard Sam Maniscalco, joined by Do It All Swingman, the original OG, Mr. 3 and D, Billy Cole, at Buckwild Bill 3-3. Thanks for tuning in once again. Billy, what's good? It's been a while. Welcome to 2024. Yeah, what's going on, man? Uh, congratulations. Uh, the first uh, Maniscalco baby uh, for yourself. That's uh, huge news and happy to have you back. But um, I think, you know, like we talked about in Illini land, it was a big, big time start to the, the Big Ten season. Um, some great games that we got to witness over the past week since we've been together. Uh, big win against Northwestern, uh, awesome game against Purdue where we came up a little short. Um, and then last, uh, followed by a big win, Michigan state. And then just recently, um, kind of a letdown. I thought it was a pretty bad loss against Maryland, a team that, that I think we should beat even without Terrence Shannon. So there's a lot to talk about today. Um, but yeah, nothing really going on in my world besides, uh, watching sports, a lot of football, a lot of Illini basketball. Yeah, it's a good time of the year for sports. Um, yeah, like you said, last time we talked, um, you know, the theme was, you know, getting into the start of the Big Ten season and the big news was was Terrence Shannon Jr. being out. And we were both a little skeptical, but also at the same time, pretty confident in, in what Brad's built and the foundation he had built, you know, without Terrence Shannon. Um, and I believe that we talked a lot about a lot of guys, but we forgot to mention it's almost like I forgot they had Marcus Damask um, and, and bringing him up, you know, we start with that Northwestern game and even the Purdue game too. Um, I mean, he's averaging is the last five games. He's averaging almost 23 a game. Um, he's really, really emerged as obviously the number one guy with Terrence Shannon Jr. out and what are performance against Northwestern? They just, uh, you know, blew those guys out of the gym. Really Northwestern never had a chance. Um, so great showing there, you know, with, with the news of, of Terrence Shannon being out really their first test, I think. Um, and they, they passed with, with flying colors, but, um, you know, the big one was at Purdue when they were number one in the country going there, the second big 10 game. And, um, I know we came up, you know, five points short, but a lot, a lot of positives to take out of that start to the big 10 season. And number one being, you know, Marcus Damask and his emergence as really, to be honest, I mean, obviously an all big 10 player, but, he he'll be in the conversation if he keeps this up as, as some kind of an all American. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think I go back to the first episode when we got to watch him for the first time. And every time you get new transfers in, you never really know what to expect. Sometimes it can take longer than the next guy to get up to speed, but he was one of those 
when you looked at his stats from Southern and how many minutes he played a game and how many points he scored, um, and even like from the very first exhibition game against Kansas, you were like, oh my goodness, he's going to be really, really good find for us, a good piece. But I don't think, at least myself, but I, I would say 90% of Illini fans didn't expect a guy that is going to go toe-to-toe with the Big Ten elite teams and, and be scoring 30 points or be a threat to score 30 points on, on a nightly basis. Um, I think I saw the other day, maybe before the Maryland game, that he was the uh, leading points-per-game guy in the Big Ten. Um, so that might have changed as of now. But, um, I mean, what a player he is, his experience he's brought to this team. And, you know, I think the next couple games will be huge for him, uh, just with us – you know, now having the hindsight, you know, it's 2020 after losing to Maryland, I thought they did a lot to take him away um, and, and force force other people to take the take the big shots. And we we just didn't have that, um, you know, that group of, of role players that could step up and score in the big moments. I think we had like a, you know, three or four minute drought there in the middle of the second half when Maryland took the lead where we didn't score. Um, so it's been surprising to me, if I'm being honest, that Coleman Hawkins hasn't, you know, we, we use the Batman and Robin yeah. analogy a lot, but I thought with the whole Terrence Shannon news, I thought for sure it's like, okay, this is back to being Coleman Hawkins team as far as, you know, how many shots are going up, who's the offense flowing through. And it really, it, it has been completely through Damask and his, uh, you know, we used to call it under Bruce booty ball. I think they still, I, I heard Collins refer to that after the Northwestern game. But, I mean, they're really just clearing the floor. You know, you don't see it a ton in college basketball, but it's a pure ISO where, you know, they're getting him on the wing, they're clearing the floor, and they're letting him back down smaller defenders and maybe less experienced defenders. So that that whole um, that whole evolution of the team, I think we probably still need a few more games to see the how much longevity that has as far as success. I think um, especially after the, the Maryland loss where – um, it felt like it, you know, if he doesn't shoot well, we lose. And I, I don't think that's something we can hang our hat on for the rest of the season. What, what did you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I, I like your, your comment about Coleman Hawkins because we were both high on him. And after watching him for the last better part of the last two years, you know, game in and game out, that's just not his game, right? He's not a – he could be our emotional leader, which we've talked about in his experience, obviously, but he's not a high volume guy. That's going to, you might have a breakout game here or there, but he's really just a super athletic defender, um, glue guy, obviously really good with the ball at the, at the top of the key and, and creates a mismatch mismatches throughout a game. But, um, the emergence of Marcus Damask, I mean, there's, there's a big jump from, from going to be a, Ro- a Robin, you know, which he kind of was to Terrence Shannon Jr. early in the season. That's a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure to go become a Batman, let alone, you know, when you're starting the Big Ten season, you're already 12 games in. That's not an easy ask. So right. um, he's been phenomenal. I, I also, you know, I got to give credit to Brad Underwood um, throughout this process because um, his guys have been ready to play. And it's almost like he's creating a new identity for him in a sense. Their foundation is built. But I like what you said about these next few games are really going to tell us a lot because that'll be, you know, the three and two now, that'll be seven or eight games into the big 10 season. It's almost like they're going to be a whole brand new, different team. Find out what they can hang their head on. Like you said, find out what they can rely on on a night to night basis um, and find out more importantly, who and which players they can rely on, on a night to night basis. But I agree with you. If, if, if Marcus Damas does not play well, they're going to have a tough, 
tough time winning games in the Big Ten. And um, so far, he's proven that he can do that. And I think a big thing is, you know, you get a little bit of a cushion at home um, as far as, you know, in the Big Ten, as far as, a, a, you know, guys feeling comfortable and role players playing better. But if they're going to go win games on the road, it's obviously got to be a collective effort, but they need to start to emerge in those games and kind of win games for them. And um, he's the kind of guy that's proven that, you know, he might be able to do that. I think that's really, really well where they'll miss Taron Shannon Jr. in the most is on the road in those, you know, last five, six minutes of games, um, you know, being able to close. But um, I agree with you. I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, I was a little skeptical, um, probably more so than you as far as heading into this Big Ten season. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if if we, uh, you know, we're on here right now. We were talking, you know, we're 0-5 or 1-4, but um, we're 3-2 and in, in the top half of the Big Ten. So I legitimately think with what Brad's done with this roster um, and the cohesion they have and the rallying cry that they've showed over the last few weeks that, I mean, they can still finish in a, you know, as a top four team in the Big Ten and, and getting that double bye uh, come Big Ten, you know, uh, tournament time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was still crazy to me just even looking at a paper seeing Illinois ranked 10th in the country, you know, three or four games after not having our best player, which is, I mean, that's mind boggling. There, how many programs out there could do that? Uh, pr- probably probably less than five. And um, I think it, it goes to show, you know, Illini Nation as a whole, I think. Uh, it makes me laugh, you know, because there was a lot of discussion about after the tournament last year. It's just like, what is, you know, what's the long-term outlook on on Brad Underwood? But if you can't look at the the stabilizing force that he was after all of this went down, and I think I, at the end of the very last line of the last podcast, I said, if they go 3-0 and these next three games, I'll kiss your ass. They they almost did it, honestly. They had sure uh, d- down three with 30 seconds left at Purdue, which... I don't care if they're number one in the team in the country or last team in the country. That's one of the hardest places to play in the Big Ten. Mackey Arena is, is it's just it's built for basketball. It gets so deafeningly loud. So to go in there, you know, be down a three pointer with thirty seconds left and really win the first two games without him, I think that was great. Um, I think the job that he's done, kind of keeping the cohesion and and the uh, like the moxie of the team. I think, I think that can't be understated and we've got a, you know, we've got a chance, like you said, you know, I, I still, I think we've been really fair with our predictions this year, even though we're obviously Illinois fans. Um, I think once that happened, we, we probably said we're, we're not probably competing for the big 10 title. I think, you know, the, the rest of this big 10 season folds out. I think you'll see us probably in the two three or four spot. Um, but that's a great season that, that, you know, that's probably good enough to get us a, a three, four or five seed in the tournament. And then anything can happen, you know, especially with, you know, there's some news coming out of Champaign and I know we're not going to get into it, uh, but it sounds like, you know, Terrence Shannon Jr.'s lawyers have filed an injunction against the uh, the university to allow him to play immediately uh, unless more news comes out in between that time. So I think that's got a real shot, maybe 50-50 shot of, of getting through. Um, seems like there's been some case law recently that would, uh, you know, dictate some precedence around letting him play, um, knowing that the trial won't be settled until this summer after the NBA draft. So really crazy time to be an Illini fan, right? You've got all of these, you've still got a great team, but you've got this, um, X factor out there that if, you know, if X, Y, and Z happens and he comes back in the middle of this big 10 tournament 
or excuse me, Big Ten season, you know, I mean, who knows? The, the, the world is our oyster at that point as far as a basketball team. So it's – I'm all about these next – I think we need a bigger sample size without him. You know, I'll tr- maybe transition the conversation to something that I felt, you know, we've got – again, we've got the Maryland loss to look at at home, which I – for some reason, Maryland always has our number unless mm-hmm. you're playing them and you score 25 points or whatever it was. But, 26. Uh, 26, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cheat you a point. Uh, but the, we never play good against Maryland. Um, and I think one thing that their coach said after the game, Kevin Willard, he said, you know, they play Coleman Hawkins at the five and we've felt like all season, no one has really attacked him with a bigger body and made him actually play center. Right. Cause Illinois tries to use that mix, mismatch to make the other team's five guard Coleman out of the three point line and, and create mismatches. That's Brad's really whole offensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. And to get mismatches and exploit them well, you know, I think Julian Reese, um, you know, he fouled Coleman Hawkins out with like three minutes left and he he was really doing whatever he wanted in the post. We kind of refused to double team. We did double team Zach Eady in the same scenario. I think that's a, maybe a different animal, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, we've got Michigan, Rutgers, uh, Northwestern coming up. So those three games I think if you come and you ask us our opinion after those games, we're going to have a, a really good outlook on what the what the end of the season is going to look like after these next couple of games. Yeah, the you know the biggest thing in the Big Ten, you, obviously you want to be fully healthy throughout the season, but you want to take care of your home slate, right? And you're always going to have you're going to have a game, hopefully not two, but you're going to have a game where you might quote unquote slip up at home. It just happens. It's part of the Big Ten season. Um, it's part of the grind. Um, I, I do think that one thing this Terrence Shannon Jr. situation has afforded Illini fans is if they lose to Maryland at home with Terrence Shannon Jr., all hell breaks loose in, in Illini Nation world. You know, yeah. um, I think that there's you know there's a little bit calmer weather right now because we don't have him and we lost to Maryland. Realistically, that's what it should be, right? You're going to drop some games. Um, you know, the idea is, and you know, you've been in a locker room before. Take care of your home slate and go go seal half. Um, or more than half of your games on the road, and then you're going to be fighting for a Big Ten championship. So I do think the Maryland loss is not a – obviously there's no such thing as a, a good loss, but it's not it's not a, as bad of a loss as, as people would think. Um, but to your point of at Michigan, Rutgers at home, and then a rematch at Northwestern, which will be a huge game because um, they owe us one. But these are three good games. Like It's not like we're going you know to Wisconsin – um, we're not playing Purdue or Michigan state again. This is a nice little mid tier kind of big 10 slate to really see what we're made of, right? A Michigan team that I believe is seven and 10. Um, but that's going to be a tough game because it's at Michigan, right? It's not at home. So that's really going to tell a lot about how far this team has come, um, in their growth without Taryn Shannon jr. And then Rutgers, right? We smacked Rutgers early on in the big 10 season. I think we almost 20 balled them, um, in early December, so they're going to be out, um, you know, hunting for for some payback um, at home. That's now that's a game you've already dropped Maryland at home. That's a game you got to win, right? That's a game that you lose that one. That could be the difference between a two, three, or four seed, like you said in the Big Ten tournament, or an eight, nine, ten seed. Um, and then the rematch at Northwestern, which will be like, we've talked about this before. Throw in the fact that it's an in-state rival, so you throw quote unquote the playing fields like completely uh, it's just it's a rivalry game so nothing else matters um and then there's a little tidbit of we just 30 balled them literally at home so 
they're going to be hunting for some revenge. So I agree with you. These next three games um, are really going to tell us more so than these first five, I think, what we're really made of and what we're about and what our ceiling and potential is, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I like what you said there because I think it's important. I think these next three games, they're not the biggest teams that you circle on the calendar at the, at the beginning of the year, but they're, I think they're a great like magnifying glass, especially yeah. after a, a, a disappointing loss. Because now is the time where, okay, the adrenaline from the whole Terrence Shannon situation, you know, the whole everyone's got their arms together and is super locked tight. That adrenaline and that whole moxie and and feeling throughout the locker room, it can start to wear off. People get people get agitated. The younger guys are fighting for their lives mentally at this time of the year. The coaching and keeping everyone together will be, especially after a loss, again, not to keep harping on it, but this Michigan game will be huge because it's like, okay, do the negative emotions start to stack or how quickly can we turn it right back around, get a win against Michigan, get a win against Rutgers? Because there's really no excuse. Like you said, you know, if you, if you lose to Maryland and all of a sudden you go to play Purdue, it's like, and you lose to Purdue, it's like, you still don't really know if everything's kind of stacking up or trending in a negative direction, because mm-hmm. Purdue's probably going to beat you anyways at Purdue. But yeah. now we've got three games, like we've been saying, where the the truth, the the identity of this team will be pretty much decided at the end of these three. You know, I hate to keep going back to this, but, you know, we go 3-0, and and it's like I'm genuinely super excited about how the, how the end of the season uh, finishes up. And, you know, are we talking Sweet 16? Are we talking at least a – a win in the tournament. Um, if we start, you know, hitting the one and twos in, in this type of range, all of a sudden you've got to think, Hey, maybe something wore off after the Terrence Shannon thing. And, and, and we're going to be fighting, scrapping for our lives just to get a win in the tournament. Yeah. And I, I one thing I've liked about this whole entire season is that, you know, and we've touched on this in, in previous episodes is last year, there was a lot of those flat starts, I think one thing that's helped this, you know, losing Taryn Shannon and, and the effect that it's, you know, how we've rebounded and rallied as a group and as a team um, is the fact that these guys play hard. They play hard for 40 minutes. Um, there, ha- This hasn't been a year where Brad's had to coach effort. Um, and generally speaking, his teams, he doesn't really have to coach effort. But we had some instances last year where maybe we were a little too call it overconfident. Um, and it took us seven or eight minutes in games to, to wake up. Right. And we're on our heels a lot. Um, then we have to make some kind of tremendous, you know, comeback. I haven't seen much of that this year. And I I have to believe, I mean, from the start of the season, even, even with him on the, on the squad and playing, um, and I have to believe that's played a part in this nice start that we've had in the big 10, given the circumstances, because, um, it's more of a, he's coaching X's and O's, right? He's coaching, he's coaching the game. He's coaching his players. Um, he's coaching the situation, which is good. When head coaches have to coach effort, as you know, when they have to do those things, it's almost like babysitting, right? It takes them away from, it takes them away from what they're really good at, right? And managing a game, managing tempo and, and coaching in the present. So, um, I do think that that's played a part in their start is that these guys play hard. They know what's expected of them when they step on the floor, even the younger guys. Um, experience plays a role in that. Um, they know their roles, they know their jobs and they go out and try to do their jobs to the best of their ability. It doesn't always obviously turn into W's, but if you do that on a consistent basis in this league, um, you're going to squeak out some wins. Um, maybe some wins that you're not supposed to, 
you know, some games that you're not supposed to win. But in regards to your original comment about these three games, these are a good way. I, I package these three games as season-defining games. <clears throat> Winning or losing them can be season-defining wins or losses, right? These are game three games that we look back on in, you know, end of February and say, man, if we would have got that Michigan and that Rutgers game, we're sitting at, a, you know, 13 and thirteen and 7 instead of 11 and 9. You know what I mean? Um, so for a lot of teams, especially this Illini team, I think these are season-defining games coming up here. Um, these next three, man, I'm really looking forward to that Northwestern game. Yeah. And I think for me, the key, we have to, we talked about it last episode, but we have to shoot well, right? Like, yeah. uh, that is like the, the everarching bandaid of basketball. If, if you can make shots and you can shoot well from three, you can hide even the, the worst performances and you can, you don't have to execute well. And all that other stuff just seems to fall into place. But when you, you know, we had Harmon who had really stepped up and I think he's probably out of like the role, the pure role players on the team. I think since Shannon went down, he had had some really nice games and and he really struggled from three against Maryland. um, Whereas he had been on fire before the, the first couple games before that. So going to Chrysler arena, playing a down Michigan team with kind of, like you said, a season defining, you know, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a great Michigan team this year. There's been better Michigan teams in the past where we've, I think Brad's still undefeated against Michigan, which is mm-hmm. is crazy. Uh, I think that's where, you know, like we said this in the past, you have to, you have to start scheming open looks for, for Luke Goody. Uh, like he, for me, he has to take seven to 10 threes a game. Yeah. And we just have to see if he's got it. If he, if he doesn't in the first half, you know, he's a streaky shooter, but if he, you know, We've got to start manipulating those those open looks. And Quincy Guerrier, he's another guy. He's a streaky shooter. Um, and then the one thing that you know has plagued us throughout the whole year, I think, has been the point guard situation where we we just refuse to play with one. And it looks like Moretti's back. I keep seeing, you know, the team and different fan accounts posting, um, you know, posting what looks like our one true point guard on the roster, who's really really fun to watch with that kind of European background point guard, pure point guard, get everyone else involved before you take a look. Um, I don't see Brad lengthening the bench at all, knowing how crucial these games are. I think there's been a, you know, if I just keep my, my thumb on the pulse of a line, I Twitter, it was a lot of why did danger only get, you know, seven points in 10 minutes when we were getting eaten alive inside. Why did, you know, uh, Dre Gibbs Lahore not play as a freshman. He's an elite scorer. That's his whole deal. When we go through those cold stretches, why is he not playing more? And now it's it's why is Moretti, um, you know, especially when we're getting pressed the whole game from most teams that will play. What when is he going to get a shot in a real a real game? Because his last his last couple appearances against you know mid majors, low majors actually looked pretty promising. But I just don't think the average fan understands the weight <laughs> of giving a, giving a giving an unknown commodity 10 minutes in a game like Michigan. I just don't think you're going to see it. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. The Twitter stuff is hilarious because generally speaking, it's people that know absolutely nothing about basketball and they know exactly who I'm talking about. But like, for instance, I'm just saying like Brad and his staff, like they've been with these guys since, I mean, you talk about the returning guys. I mean, they, they've been coaching these guys for years. They see them every single day. They know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. They know them better than anybody as basketball players, right? 
Um, and even the new guys, they've had these guys since June, every single day in the gym. So they know, and he knows what kind of situation that he can throw these guys into. Um, and, and as a coach, right, you, you want to put your players in the, the best situation in, to succeed, right? Not fail. So if anybody knows who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing, it's Brad Underwood, not Twitter. So um, that stuff's hilarious. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really funny. Um, like the danger thing. I mean, danger is obviously, I mean, he's playing, he's averaging 11 minutes a game this year. There's obviously a reason for that. Other spots for sure. Where we're like, we're both watching and we're like, man, put Dane in here. It's a good three minute spurt for him because of a matchup or something. Totally. But I don't think it's people realize if Dane, yeah, if Dane Danger played 33 minutes in the next game, he would get completely exposed probably. Right. There's a reason yeah. he's not playing that. Right. Um, I totally agree with the shot selection stuff, like manufacturing looks for for goody and stuff, and and obviously the the booty ball is it's what works for Marcus Damask. It puts him in a very comfortable spot. He's so skilled, he's so yes. strong. Um, he knows how to play off of the defense, right? He's got counters to his his initial moves. He knows how to get to the free throw line. He knows how to get guys up in the air. Um, he knows his spots. He's very, very, very controlled, you know, and poised. Um, in those situations and he knows what side of the floor and what, what little boxes he wants to operate in. So I'd obviously continue rolling with that until, until you can't anymore. And like you said earlier, teams are going to adjust, right? Teams. Number one scouting report, you know, is going to be, how do we take him out of what he likes to do best? Right. So he'll have to, he'll have to continue to progress um, and get better. So um, just in a, it's, it's crazy because, I remember when we got off our last podcast, we were, I think, overly optimistic while, you know, we were on about the start that we could have, but behind the scenes, I was pretty down on, on what could happen. So I realistically am, am pleasantly surprised, um, at this start that they've had. Yeah. I think the question is for us in Illini kingdom, just to put a bow on that, cause I think you're going somewhere that's important for not just the podcast, but I, it's like what, you know, if if I'm asking you, if I'm I see you on the street and I'm like, what's what's a great finish to the year look like in the Big Ten and in the in the NCAA tournament? Like what what do we say we leave the year with a smile on our face without Terrence Shannon Jr.? What does that look like to you? Off the top of my head, my initial response is an NCAA tournament berth. Well, that's uh, a, if I go that's into a more- given right now. For sure. But I going into more detail, I'd say that if we're a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament, I'm ecstatic. That's a fantastic, I mean fantastic year given the circumstances. And then tournament time, we talk about it all the time. Matchups, right? You get the right matchup against a team, like I could see us winning two games and getting to that that, you know, second weekend. Um, I can also see us losing the first round. So um sure. So that's what I would say. Probably that's just me naturally just, you know, tempering expectations. Um, you know, we, we talked a few times. We've mentioned the word Final Four and Elite Eight when they were a full squad. I don't ever want to say those words again unless we're a full squad. I don't think yeah. that's really possible. Um, I've seen crazier stuff happen, but I highly doubt um, that'll happen. But NCAA tournament, win a game, given everything that's happened, top four seed in the Big Ten, ter- I mean, in the Big Ten, um, that's a fantastic year. Yeah, I I agree. I don't want to harp too much on this. We're pretty far away. There's a lot of basketball to be played, uh, a lot of things to happen off the court that that could change us as well. But I think, right, for the fan base, 
they're not going to be happy with anything less than one win. I think sure. if we get, I think if we get two wins, then go ahead and and call this season an A plus, uh, especially without Terrence Shannon Jr. So I think that's probably our most likely scenario. I think you know, you're so right, especially with a, a seating committee in NCAA that always wants to, you know, they'll seed you according to who's on the roster. They don't care, they don't care if. Terrence Shannon Jr. is out, and even they'll look at our, our our wins we got him. We'll probably get seated lower if he's still out at that point. And so mm-hmm. we could we could have a really tough first round game. Um, and it's almost not worth talking about. I just think just because it's so far away, I just think that's an interesting question because it's something me and you get right. It's like you run into your your average uh, watcher, your big fan, and they're like, "Hey, you know, what's a successful season look like for us?" And I think. It's one or two wins in the tournament. Let's put it like that. I think the like you mm-hmm. said after the news the last couple of weeks, I think the whole Final Four, uh, Elite Eight stuff goes out the window, and everything over a win in the tournament is uh, overachievement. Exactly, and I think one thing that this news that has happened with him being out does is for the rest of the season. I don't care about what we're AP ranked. I think it puts us in an underdog role later on in the year. Right. Because of what's happened, we'll always be, if it's in the tournament or something like that, unless we're the top four seed, I still think there's a, a sense of us being underdogs, which is not a bad thing as a, as a player, as you know, right. That's another motivational factor as being an underdog versus being a favorite and a quote unquote front runner type thing. It's, it's tough to win that way. Um, you said something when we were talking about what we need to do at Michigan, I just looked up as far as getting shots and, you know, you can't win games without nowadays without, you know, if you don't make shots, you're not going to win games. No. Um, and that resonated with me because I just, we're averaging 82 points a game as a team. I remember my year, we beat Michigan state. I think one year, either 40 to 39 or 41 to 40 at home. So nobody was making shots and we still figured out a way to win a game, but like you don't see that anymore. And that wasn't that rare in the Big Ten. I mean, especially the years, you know, you played and even before that, like to have this just grudge match, wrestling match, like 47 to 46 barn burner, you know, like you don't see that much anymore. I mean, I was very surprised that we're averaging and we're 35th in the country and we're averaging 82 points a game. And that's without our best player. Wild. If you don't make shots, you don't win. It is crazy that you say that because I, I'm going to get this these numbers wrong, but I'm almost positive. Uh, like my freshman or sophomore or junior year, we played Penn State at home and it went into overtime. But like the regulation in uh, the the regulation score was in the 30s for both teams. Uh, and it's that. just it's just that's just it, like you said, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were there. But at the end of the day, it's just a different it's a different game now. Uh, especially with the transfer portal, these teams are so much older and, you know, we were going through transition period after transition period after transition period. And now it's just like, okay, go get a Damask, go get a, you know, go get three or four pieces out of the portal that have 1500 points and really want to play high level basketball. And, and the level is just different. I also think, you know, part of the reason you saw those games in the thirties or the forties or the fifties, a lot more often was the same reason that we, the big 10 has struggled in the, in the postseason tournaments. Right. Um, you can't, you know, sometimes it felt like, I knew you were going to bring up the officials, bro. 
I always do, but you can't. Sometimes you sometimes you'd play against like Michigan State or Ohio State, and you would just feel like you were in an MMA fight. Like it was like sure. just like it was unbelievable the amount of like bodily pain that was inflicted on on your average player playing like twenty minutes a game. Um, and I, I think that maybe the refing uh, actually, I'll, I'll give them a compliment. Maybe it's adjusted a little bit to not be such like a fist fight and actually reward basketball talent in the big 10 when it's when it's being played properly but i still don't get me wrong we definitely still have flashes of like your classic big 10 you know post oh, there's spurts yes yeah. there's spurts where you're like what the hell am i watching <laughs> yes i remember speaking of like what you said about like fist fight and wrestling match or mma fight um this was actually when i was at bradley i was a freshman and we played Michigan State in a home and home my freshman sophomore year. So freshman year they had to come to uh, Peoria and play. And I remember hearing too. This is when they had Nitesville. They were loaded like Goran Sutan, Kalen Lucas, um, Chris Allen. They were they were loaded. Uh, and I remember they had their walkthrough or their practice the night before and their walkthrough. And I remember talking to our managers because you know your managers you know set up the away team for their shoot around and stuff. And they happened to watch a little bit of their. I don't know if it was a practice the night before or the walk around. And I word got around that Izzo had these dudes like our managers had to bring them like football pads and all kind of like football stuff <laughs> because like their practice the night before the walkthrough was like in like literally in like football pads or something. And I was like, I remember saying like, what the hell? Like you hear about how physical this team is, but like when you hear that, I was scratching my head like, Dude, what, what am I getting into tonight? Um, and it was it was true too. I mean, I was getting bounced around like a, a pinball machine, and I was six foot, one hundred and eighty pounds at the time. But I was just getting, and I was like you said, the physicality is just ridiculous on a night to night basis. That's hilarious, though. But eight, that's why eighty two. I saw eighty two. I looked it up. I was gonna think like, oh, we're averaging like sixty five or something. I just looked, and we're averaging eighty two points a game, which is which is wild. So um, just a different game. So anyways, all right. Well, good episode. Um, Some really good things to look forward to, right? I I think, I think if there's a time, obviously Illini fans were excited, you know, with what we could do this year with Terrence Shannon Jr. Things have changed, but I think it's just equally as exciting to watch because of the circumstances now, Um, because we're kind of creating a new identity. um, And these next three games are really going to say a lot, like we've mentioned uh, about what this team is made of and, and what, where we can go from there. So um also we got some good good things coming some guests coming up on the pod sometime over the next few weeks few episodes um coach bruce weber joined us last year so we're looking forward to um working on some scheduling things we're looking forward to having coach weber on he was fantastic last year and he can give us obviously an update on what's going on with him and um kind of all things college basketball moving forward so uh billy thanks for joining um great episode today Uh, We'll check back in a few weeks. Um, Champagne Room Hoops podcast, season two, episode five. Thanks, everybody. See you, everybody.